This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. song means your love to me is so great it's greater than what people can ever expect your love to me is so great that it's greater than what people can ever expect and then it goes on to sing love without equal so great a love without equal so great we need to translate this song to english i'll sing it we'll try i know that it doesn't really it's hard to capture it but let's try because it's a good song. Father, I will give you thanks. Lord, we worship you. Thank you, Lord, for the competence supplied to teach your word accurately. And thank you for revelation knowledge in the hearts of all the hearers this morning. We give you praise and we bask in your love. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hello, everybody. How are we all doing this morning? It's good to see you guys in the studio. Amen. Hallelujah. So, we're starting a series where we'll be talking about money, right? We're talking about money for the next couple of Sundays. Um, and I think it's going to be an awesome time. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. 
no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the reason why I've thought it important for us to talk about money. And I believe that um, I believe that the inspiration to talk about it is, is from the Lord. No, of all the things that Jesus picks out to be sources of idolatry, it's interesting, or of all the things that Jesus could pick out to talk about causes of idolatry, it's interesting that he talks about money. As the, he, he picks out money. Now, don't get it twisted. He's not saying that there are no that there aren't other things that people serve, right? He's not saying that there aren't other things that people serve. Of course, we know that when it comes to idolatry, there's almost nothing that people cannot idolize, right? People can idolize relationship and marriage. They are marital partners. There are people that. Do you know what idolatry function, functionally means? You know what that scripture is telling us? That scripture is essentially telling us that um, it's a series anyway, so let's take our time. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself as I'm saying that because I have this impulse to want to say a lot of things. Praise God. Alright, so one of the reasons um, what that scripture verse is first of all telling us is that everybody has a hierarchy of values, right? It is not possible to have two things at the pinnacle of the hierarchy of your values. Only one thing can fulfill that, can enter that position. Two things cannot stand at the pinnacle of your hierarchy of values. Whatever is at the top of your hierarchy of values, whatever is at the top of your priority, whatever is the end to which every other thing is a means, whatever you have elevated in your mind to be the most important thing that every other thing strives to help you attain right whatever that thing is that thing that thing is god to you that thing is god to you and so what that means is that you can never have two people you cannot have two different entities filling that position at the same time so yes people can have relationship as their idol right you see a lot of people that actually worship their relationship or worship their marriage, their spouse or their relationship partner or they worship the idea of being in a relationship. That is the most important thing to them. Everything is to attain that thing. There are people that actually idolize their children. Having kids or having kids or whatever, having kids or the well-being of their king or their kids is actually a thing at the top of the you know at the top of the hierarchy of their values so everything is towards making sure their kids are okay nothing else matters even god is a tool to help you to attain that thing so really their children are their idols there are a lot of things career right but it's interesting that of all the things that jesus could pick out as notorious is money he picked out and Jesus is right because really and truly yeah, if there's anything that competes with the largest number of people for the position of God for the position of um, um, 
for the position of being at the top of the, their priorities, it is money. Nothing else does it like money. Nothing else does it like money. Money is that thing that the overwhelming majority of people worship. The truth is that for most people, and this is the interesting thing about heresies, right? Heresies, heresies don't necessarily come from um, saying the opposite of God's word. For something to be a heresy, it does not mean it does not need to be the opposite of God's word. All that it needs to be is to be a misalignment or misprioritization of someone's values. That's all it has to be. For example, and this is the reason why every kind of, almost every kind of heresy has, I'm talking about Christian heresies now, they have some kind of scriptural backing. Because there are a lot of things that are good, but they become heresies when they become the thing at the top of a hierarchy of values. They are good, but they are in the wrong place in our priority system compared to how they're supposed to be. God has a priority system for everybody. So you will see a lot of things in that priority system that are good, and you'll see them all in Scripture, right? They are all good, and you will all see them in Scripture. So if you are looking for a Scripture to back you, to show that those things are good for you, you will always find the problem is when those things are now put in the wrong position, Putting them in the right position according to God's word is where the real doctrinal war is. That's where the real revelation knowledge is. That's where the proper teaching is. That's where real spiritual growth is. It's not looking into God's word and seeing whether money is good. That is the reason why the question of does God want us to be rich? The answer is no yes and the answer is no no. That's the truth. We'll talk about all that. The answer is not yes, and the answer is no, no. The answer is neither yes nor no. The answer is a story. Because the truth is this. What does God really want for us? God wants you to be good. And I use that word in a way to describe the way the Moses, the writer of Genesis or Moses tells us about God. He says when he created all things, he, he, he looked at all of them and said they were what? Good. What that means is good means flourishing. Good means the fulfillment of the purpose for which an entity was created. Good is the actualization of the reason why something was created. A microphone is good because it is bringing out sounds well. So when he says that he looked at everything and everything was good, what he means is that at that time when God looked at creation, everything was functioning as it was meant to function. That's what God wants for you, not money or no money. Do you know why that is very important to us? Because it is conceivable that there will be times when for you to be good, you won't have money. Yeah. Imagine Jesus on the cross thinking about having money or not having money. 
Think about it. Could Jesus be on the cross and be thinking of having money or not having money? Why? Because for Jesus to be good, for him to do the reason why he came to the earth, he had nothing to do with money. So will you say that Jesus was not living the will of God? <laughs> when people say that the will of God is for you to have money, it's a very dangerous statement. It's a dangerous statement. When Apostle Paul will be sent to places where there are barbarians and people that can kill him, and he's doing ministry in that place, at that point, can he be thinking of money? Did Adam and Eve have money? <laughs> uh, praise God. Did Adam and Eve have money? Which money were they spending? <laughs> I don't know you man beings. <laughs> praise God. They will say that the will of God is for people to have money. No. You are really taking the will of God to be... You are, you are playing with the will of God. Hallelujah. And this is the reason why I'm actually going to take my time. I won't rush. And I won't really talk about this thing. Because the truth is that... And I want to set the, the record straight. Because our church is a new church. Have, how many months have we now? Three months have we? <laughs> so that if you want to leave the church, you can leave now. But you have to know what we believe about money. You have to know what we believe about money. You have to know what is true. We cannot call, gather ourselves together and God shows a vision that we are reshaping values and uh, reconciling people to the, back to God. And we, even we ourselves, our values of money will be upside down. So we have to get it right. We have to get what exactly money is right. Praise God. And let me start by telling you, let me start by showing you the reason why Money in particular is a big deal for so many people. Do you guys remember when I was explaining to you the last two weeks that the hierarchy of your fears is a mirror image of the hierarchy of your desires, Abi? The things you want most determine what your greatest fears will be. The things you want most will directly translate to you being afraid, most afraid of losing those things. Do you guys remember that? Let me show you what it means. So verse 24, Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and mammon or money, isn't it? Look at verse 25. I know in your Bible it must, it must have been separated, but when, when Luke was, Matthew was writing this, it was not separated. It was the same message. So don't look because there's a, there's a, little, there's a new subtitle. You think that um, this was a new series. It was the same message. It was in the same service. Look at verse, 12, verse 25. Therefore, because you cannot serve God and mammon, because you cannot serve God and mammon, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. There is a connection between that impulse to serve God and mammon and what Jesus is about to say now. And this is it. I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes. Where does the impulse to serve mammon come from? It comes from the simple fact that people are worried about what they will eat, what they will drink, what they will wear, where they will live. 
Hallelujah. Money is that one thing. Like we read in the book of Ecclesiastes last time when we said money answered all things. The money answered all things is in relation to um, providing us with earthly things that can make us happy. Right? Like we read in that scripture. So, money is that one thing that can get you things. That can get you things on the earth. And those things it can get you are things that you really want. They are physiological needs that you really want. You want them so strongly that anything that will make you not have them will make you panic. You become afraid. And so, because you want those things so much, losing those things will become the thing that you fear so much. And they will climb to the top of your priorities. And before you know it, you will want those things even more than God. It sounds, in church, it sounds very um, churchy and very righteousistic or holistic, right? Or sanctifiedist. But see, this thing I'm saying is very subtle. You will not even know when you are there. You can actually want those things more than God. You cannot want those things as much as you want God. And the point where you want those things more than God is the point where you have idolized those things. And at that point, let me tell you what will happen. Even God will become a true that will help you to get those things. Even God will become a tool that you now use to get those things. See, the devil is very subtle. He doesn't need to tell you a lie. He doesn't need to tell you the opposite of what God said. He just needs to tell you what God says in a different format. Do you know, and I say this with all sense of humility and reverence for the body without any form of spite. Do you know that any view of God's word that sees godliness as a way to gain, whenever you begin to look at spiritual things as a thing that are designed to get you money, those things have made money to be an end in itself and God or salvation or the gospel to become a means to that end. Do you know that? Let me tell you the truth. The implication of saying that Jesus died so that we can have money is that you have made Jesus a tool towards the end of money. When you are saying it, you might be saying it while retaining your deeper life um, born-again sensibilities where in your consciousness you have not looked at money as an idol. But that thing you have said, Jesus died so that we can have money. Hmm? That thing you have said. Hmm? You have laid down the spirit for the idolatry of money. And that is the reason why when you teach it well enough and a lot of people accept what you have said and they believe it, in the Boski churches come out. You might not be happy and you might be angry and say, no, that's not what I teach. Those are not what I teach. But like uh, one of my friends on Twitter said, he said, they are your bastards. You, they, are, they are your children. 
you are calling them bastards because you don't want to accept them, but they are really your children. There is a straight line from the point of Jesus died so that you can have money to you are having Bahose where they are carrying money and flinging it in church. And flinging it in church. It's a straight line. You might not get there, but the people you are talking to, they will get there. It's a seed. It must grow and it must germinate. Anything that sees godliness as a means to gain is heresy. Is, there is not, you, might not, you might still you, you might still be pious, you, you might still be humble, but you have already set the tone. Why? Because people are anxious for what they will eat. So Jesus now said, see, you can't serve two things. So, don't worry of this thing. Because Jesus said that if you are worrying about these things, what happens is that you will start serving God. You will start serving mammon instead of God. If you are anxious about these material things, you will start serving money. It's just a matter of time. guys hear me are you guys with me and so that's why it is important that as believers we must look accurately at God's word there's this very interesting thing where when you tell people that godliness is not a means to gain what people are hearing is you are against prosperity or you are against people living well and if let me just say this whenever you are teaching people the right place of money and what they are hearing is that you are telling them that money you are saying that money is not good or that God does not provide that's what they are hearing let me tell you what that is that is a comment on the state of the heart of that person and what that person is manifesting to you is that they are afraid they are anxious for food and drink they are serving mammon when you see people have an exaggerated response to being told that money should not be the center of your life and you are telling someone that the money should not be the center of your life and what the person is hearing is that you are saying that money is no good God does not provide money person is, do you know why a person is saying that? it's because the person is afraid because the person is afraid it's fear that makes you react like that it's fear that will make you say does God does God want you to be rich? Yes and no. And the person will say, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? This person has something that they don't want you to touch. But you know the very funny thing? When people are liberated from mammon, it's one of the greatest freedoms a person can have. Ah, see if you guys can accept what I'm going to teach you. It will liberate you. It will free you. It will liberate you. Hallelujah. So that's why we're going to be take, talking about money. We're going to take it step by step. The first thing I want us to achieve, the first thing I would like us to achieve this morning is to first of all give you a very rudimentary and generalized idea of what money actually is from the 
um, general perspective, right? First of all, we need to understand what we are talking about. We need to define the terms. I always tell you guys, when you are engaging someone to teach them, correct them, or reshape their values, or you're having a debate with someone, make sure that you guys are not equivocating. Make sure that what you are talking about is the same thing. Make sure that both of you are talking about the same thing. Not that you are using the word to mean something. They are using the word to mean another thing. And you guys will not be talking over your heads, each other's head, and you're not arriving at anywhere. So all together. Make sure that the person you are talking to is not changing what they are meaning by the word. Because in one sentence, they will use it to mean one thing. In another sentence, they use it to mean another thing. And the argument will just be like, what is this one even saying? You yourself, when you are talking, make sure that you, the word you are using, you are not using it to mean different things. That what you are using it to say is what you keep using it to say. Do you understand that? So, this thing we are talking, calling money, what exactly is it? We need all of us to be on the same terms so that when I'm going on, we will not say eh, eh, prosperity or wealth just means when God is happy with you. <laughs> Because that's why we are this conversation always goes. Why you don't say, Does God want you to prosper? And you start trying to sow. And the next thing someone will now say, No, prosperity is not all about money. Riches is not about money. Wealth is not about money. Wealth is when you are blessed. If you don't get out. <laughs> Praise God. We need to be sure what we're calling money going forward. Not that I'm seeing, I'm talking about money, and some of you are saying, um, you have the Holy Spirit. That is money. No, that's no. I'm not talking. Let's let's define what money is. And instead of defining it in a sentence, let me explain what it is so that we can all be on the same page. Hmm? When human beings began to settle down into civilization, the next thing that comes when you settle down into civilization is the first thing you recognize is the fact that you don't have everything materially. Someone else has something that you want. You have something that that person wants. You cannot have anything. It's the first thing you realize when you, when you settle down into civilization. You will have goods. The other person has chickens. One other person has yam. Another person has rice. You cannot eat your goods forever. You want to eat chicken. Sometimes yam. Isn't it? I'm just using these crude examples. You want to wear clothes. You want something that you can put in part of your shelter. You want medicine. You want so I mean, you guys understand what I'm saying. You want so many things. And someone will not suffer to get what he has, and that should because you ask for it. The person wants something also, so you have to exchange what you have for the person. So as soon as civilization started, the system of batter. Oh, what we learned secondary school as trade by pattern started, whereby people and then ultimately societies and then ultimately nations exchanged what they wanted with each other, um, got what they wanted with each other by exchanging between themselves the things that they wanted. So, people began to do batter. This country has plenty of gold because they were lucky to be in a situation where there's gold or they have plenty of um, trees in a situation where because the village where they are has plenty of trees and that society is in the desert for them they have plenty of salt then one person that used to live in the nation of trees 
went to the pastry desert land and then he tasted their food that had salt. Ah, they went back to the say, oh, more. Have you seen food that they put salt inside? Nah, die. Oh. I say, yeah, are you serious? Yeah. Let's taste your ah, salt is very sweet. Okay, you have salt. Ah, we want tree to plant to build our house. Now say, yeah, okay, okay, okay. You know what? Give me one sack of salt, I will give you five trees. From the very beginning, you can already see that what determines how much they exchange for each other's products depends on their own speculation, their own feeling on how valuable their own goods or the other person's goods is. Do you understand that? If the people in the land of trees look at people that have salt and they really want their salt, but the guys that have salt, they look at their trees and say, we don't need the trees, we're in the desert. Our tents are okay for us. You know, they will use trees to beg those salt people. They say, take 10 trees. I don't really need trees. Yeah, take 20. Oh yeah, take 50. Please, just give me salt. You can see how the value of salt comes about. So from the beginning, from the very foundation of trading and commerce, everything is about how people feel. It's not about those things themselves. But how people feel about those things. From day one. Now, we are doing trade and butter, but eventually you will get to the point where you will notice that it is not possible for you to be carrying all the things in your village to another place to go and trade. For example, if people in your village have trees to trade, another person in their village they is stone, like stone rocks for building castles they have. Do you want to be carrying all the rocks in your village to another place to trade? Is it possible? It doesn't make sense. By the time things start getting very complicated, where you want to buy 50 things, 50 different things, 100 different things, 1,000 different things, and the trade is getting very complicated, you know it is just common sense if you are a human being that has a brain. Now you will say that this trade by battle system cannot work. We need something that will represent our feelings about these things. And so that's why instinctively, as older than writing itself, there is history that people invented money. Why? Because human beings instinctively got to the point where they realized that instead of carrying trees and carrying salt about and doing all these things, right? Instead of carrying things about, why don't we represent the value of this tree with something? So in this society, people want the tree so much or they don't really want the tree. So the things that we want very much, let's call them five calories. The things that we don't really like, let's call them one cowrie. So I can show up in the market and somebody is controlling the amount of cowrie that's in society based on where we get it from. And I will say, this thing, I want it very well. I'm willing to give you up to five cowries. You say, no. Me too, I want it badly. I cannot let it go for five cowries. You know what? I will give you ten cowries for it. Okay, bring. This thing, I want it, but I don't really care. Another person has it. And you know what? Just give me one curry for it. No, I don't really want it that bad. Okay, give me half curry for it. Do you understand that? You see again, it's not about those things. It's about what those people do what? Feel about those things. So ultimately, money, currency, is that thing that we use to express our sense of value on things which we can easily exchange amongst ourselves. You need to understand this very well. Because when we start talking about God and money, 
people don't know that ultimately what they are saying is dragging God down to a very low level that they are bringing God into the realm of human sentiments. When they are saying some things, they don't know the implication. Ultimately, money is the representation. It is a, te- it is a way of representing and exchanging our feelings about the things that we have or the things that we want. That's what money ultimately is. It's all speculation. Now, I know that's a simplistic way of saying it because speculation is a big deal, but let me just say it like that for you to understand. It's all speculation. It's all with you, with you, with you, with you, with you, with you, with you. It's all in our minds. It's how we feel. I'm not saying how we feel is not important too, but just follow me. It's how we feel about it. Is how we feel about it. So, when we are talking about now, let's define the terms wealth. Let me let's have a let's agree on the terms wealth as opposed to using it. When we say a person is wealthy, the word prosperity can be very ambiguous. Should I use pros- prosperity in this sense? No. Let me use words that are easy for us to agree on. When we talk about rich, a man being rich, think about human civilization cross-sectionally in all the ages not just now when we say a man is rich a man being rich is not really about how much money he has but about how much of the things that the society values that he has do you understand that did you get that when a man has things that the society values that is what really makes him rich not the amount of money in his pocket the amount of money in his pocket is a representation of what people feel about him. So that's why the truth is that money is actually a way of voting. It's a kind of economic voting. What you do when you buy money is that you are using your money to represent your votes. You are voting that I consider this thing valuable. I consider this thing good. So you are voting in the direction of the things that you value. So when a man has accumulated a lot of money, I'm talking about ordinarily speaking now, what happens is that it means that a lot of people have voted in the man's direction that the man has something that they value. Do you understand that? So if I have something now in my pocket that you can get from me, and all of you don't have it, and I'm the one that has it most, even before I have money, I'm already richer. Do you know why? Because it's just a matter of time. The money that you guys have you will give it to me to get what I want, what I have. So what I have is what matters. That is what is at the foundation. So riches, when you say a man is rich, it is when a man has something that is valuable in his society compared to other people. Notice I said compared to. Because there is no amount of money you can use to define rich. Sure you know. For example... The amount of things that you have today, the life you are living today, as you are living now, the life you are living today, if I transport you to 200 years ago, you will be, the, you will be one of the richest men in America. Do you know? Because our entire society has been able to use our science and technology to create so much value that even general people can have so much value in their own possession. That value that you have in your possession 
200 years ago, it was very hard to have it. So relative to those people, you are rich. So what makes a man rich is how much of, a, of valuable resources that he has compared to what other people. That valuable resources can be anything. It can be intellectual. It can be material. It can be things as abstract as cultural symbolism. The fact that the man represents something. All that matters is that the man should have something that people want and they express their value for that thing by putting their money in that direction. That's why we are in the 21st century and all that some ladies have to do is to inject their lips, pump their bum bum and their boobs and be doing posts on social media and do reality TV and they become billionaires in dollars. It is a comment on what that society values. You know, if you're in Nigeria and you're doing reality TV, you say we are the, we are the, we are the, we are the Oyeyin cars. But she's another one. We are the, we are the Johnsons. Not like this. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my You know, the hunger will kill you. My wife is saying no because there's people that still value it, but that still makes my point. Because nobody cares, even Bahua, we are hungry. You cannot come and be doing ladies on the TV, and because of that, I will not be saying I'm watching from when one guy is killing me. You're crazy. So that person is rich, not because um, he has this the, the blessing of Abraham. He's rich because. People have voted that they want this thing that you are demonstrating. And so the person too will continue producing that value. Take semi-nude pictures, go on Instagram and do stupid things, go on TV and do stupid things. Just that value that people want, you keep producing it. Why will one man just run around on a pitch for 90 minutes and do like this, do like this, do like this, do like this? Leave me. You do like this, 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 hit your head on the ground and shout it's the rich it does not matter and there is no system of society you want to create where this spiritual principle should I call it spiritual principle where it does not apply there is no system of government you want to do where this thing does not apply because people will always vote in the direction of the things they value you can try to come in between them and control how they are voting you can decide and say you want to centralize it yourself and you will be the one that will be sharing the, you, anyhow you want to do it all. What matters is that there will always be a way that human beings will vote in the direction of what they value. So money is how we express our sentiments on things that we want. Can you see why saying things like God wants you to be rich, God wants you to be rich. You can see why that statement is having problems. 
scripture, do you understand that? What's the time? I'm, 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 I'm already feeling myself getting carried away. Ah, thank God, it's the time. Praise God. Church, I want together. Church, I want together. So money is how money, we are going to define it for the course of this meeting as that thing that people use to represent their feelings about something. We are defining riches, a man being rich, as being relatively in possession of more valuable resources compared to other people in their vicinity. It's extremely important that you understand it. When people think, this is the thing, right? Because our society has been built so complicatedly on these principles, the, the, the major principles are there, and we have built complicated societies on it. People don't understand the fundamental workings, and then when people think of money, they think of it so abstractly and just think that money is, ah, if someone can just credit my account to one million naira, ah, ah, what will you do if someone should mistakenly send 100 million naira to your account? People are thinking of money like paper, as if money is just, as if the paper itself is the value. It is not. People begin to think, because we spend so much time trading with money and doing something with money, we begin to think the money itself is what is valuable. No. That's why if you go to Zimbabwe now, if you want to buy shoe, you will buy it for one million million Zimbabwe dollars. <laughs> one million million. Because it's meaningless. That's where the term inflation comes from. That's where the, all those terms of devaluation come from. What it means is that if a society is not producing value, hmm? if you print plenty paper eh, to represent the value, what will happen is that the value you have created will divide, will be divided by the amount of paper that you created. So, if you have value that is plenty like this, and you print 10 naira for it, that means that for each one naira, plenty value is being represented. Isn't it? Do you understand that? So, you will now say one naira is valuable because that one naira is representing plenty value. But that same amount of value, you now print one million naira for it. By the time you divide it to one, one million naira, you see what one million naira will represent be what? Very tiny. That's where the idea of inflation comes from. That's where it comes from. So when they say a society's money has more value, I'm just saying on the surface like that there are more complicated ideas on this point. You get the general idea. When they say one society's money has plenty of value, what they are saying is that that society is creating a lot of value and the money that they are printing to represent that value is no more than the value itself. Do you understand that? For example, what is Nigeria's GDP? That is all the value we create as a country in a year. All the value we create as a country. As in, all the things you are doing in your, in your life, economically speaking, not spiritually speaking now. All the things you are producing in your country of Nigeria, giant of Africa, in a year, is $445 billion, so to speak. Facebook is worth over one trillion dollars. Nigeria is a poor country. So when someone is saying, um, the seed of Abraham will make you to sow in that same land and reap a hundredfold, so you can be rich in poverty. <laughs> what? What? (laughs) 
do you know how many countries in the world, how many companies, not countries, but companies, have more worth than all of Nigeria's value? Can I make a little detour here? And I was talking about this with the guys here last night. And I was saying to them, Africa's real problem is that we're not creating value. Whatever is the reason why we're not creating value is another matter. But the economic problem is the fact that we're not creating value. And people don't understand this. And that's why when they see money being spread, they're shouting, see money, see money, see money. The question is, what value is that money representing? I was saying something yesterday. Do you know that it's very likely, and I'm speaking modestly, that all the videos that you people have seen on Instagram that those guys were spraying, all the videos you were seeing that you were spraying, 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 all the money you saw might not even be up to $100,000. $100,000 is 50 million naira. If I pack 50 million naira, if I naira, no, $1,000,000. Eh? Do you know where to fool? Watch out. Yeah, they swear money. Oh, if your girlfriend know they your house, she did an umbrella, she did. <laughs> So that I was just laughing. <laughs> and you're shouting and shouting and shouting and shouting and shouting. Is the poverty that has finished us? All that money is what in other countries middle class people are spending in a party overnight. That's just the truth. Oh, yeah, two hundred thousand dollars. Yes, that's it. The money that you're shouting, say, ah, Omo, there's money. In Anambra, there's which money? Yes, yeah, what? Value is not being created in our society. It's not about the paper that they are spreading. The, the paper, what does it represent? Compare it to his mates. So, do you understand that? Money is what we use to represent value. That's why I've been issue. You will talk about it, we'll get there. I've been issue. You will see that when the apostles are talking about money, what you will find is that they begin to tell believers, work with your hands. Do stuff so that you can have money enough to feed yourself and live in dignity. In the book of Ephesians, Apostle Paul says that, see, let him that steals, steal no longer, but work with his hands. Why? So that he can have enough to even give to the needy. Praise God. Why? Because Apostle Paul is telling us something there. Money will come when you have worked with your hands and created value. So that means that for the believer, the believer does not worship the paper. The Christian, we'll still talk about it very well. The Christian template for prosperity from the old to the new, for being rich in quotes, from the old to, be, to the new, is creating value where you are. People will vote for that value in your hand by giving you money. Yes, it is possible that there will be a gap. There will be a lag between when you have the value and you are producing it and when people will start voting in your direction with money. These are the things that you have to understand. These are the details. Yes, there can be a lag. And that's where the supernatural comes in to bridge that lag. Do you understand that? There can be a lag between when you have value and when people vote in your direction with money, that's where things like the supernatural can come into bridging the gap. That's where the idea of divine favor comes from. Where God will make you to be visible. Those, we'll talk about all those things later on. But don't forget that the core 
is that you create value. And that's why there is no version of Christian prosperity or God blessing a person that is absent of the person creating value first. Because that means that God will be complicit in your arm robbery. Every vice, economic vice, is always based on the fact that people are accumulating people's money without creating the corresponding value. Do you understand that? All the evils of a society is based on people accumulating money without them producing the corresponding value. And so that's why you will never see anywhere in the scriptures where God was dealing with his people and blessing them materially that excludes them creating value. not see anyone I've been saying this thing for as long as I can remember and people say and God blessed Solomon and God said because you didn't ask for the life of your enemies you didn't ask for money you asked for wisdom to do well because of that ah we bless you ah we bless you you have more money than everybody people assume that that's how Solomon became rich because God just blessed him The blessing that God blessed him that used to have money is that wisdom that he asked for. Because do you know how Solomon became rich? Go and read your Bible. Solomon was rich because he created value. It's not because money was just coming from heaven. I don't believe that God multiplies money in pocket. I don't believe so. And I don't believe that uh, money can transfer from one place to another. That God will take money from CB and put it in your pockets. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I know you want to start tackling me with it, and it's only one story you will use in the old Bible. It's the story of uh, uh, fish in the money in the mouth of fish. We'll talk about it. Don't worry. Let's be going step by step. We'll talk, we want to read it everywhere and see what actually happened there. I don't believe it. The Bible tells us about Solomon that Solomon, in his wisdom, made so much proverbs and a lot of consultations where kings of nations were coming to him to solve their problems. And when they were coming, they were coming with stupid money. So, Solomon was an international geopolitical consultant. Solomon is the kind of guy that the guy's sweet mouth and brain will make him to sit down at the edge of the Mediterranean, 1000 BC, and he will never fight any war and his territory will be expanded. Try him if easy. Do him if easy. That you will use only sweet mouth and sense to increase your territory and you will not fight any war. Go and try. That's where you know that there is wisdom and there is wisdom. You know that there is sweet mouth and there is sweet mouth. People will be paying you tribute. You do not fight war with them. You can wind people to the point where they will just be sending you money. There is nobody like you. That is what Solomon did. It's not as if money was just falling from heaven. That's what Solomon did. Go and check any human history. When countries increase their boundaries or when they expand their territory, they do it by conquest. Solomon is still the only guy that we know that increased his territory without conquest. He's the only one that will increase people's tax to the point where they want to die and they are complaining, but they will never talk till he dies. Have you ever seen that kind of thing before? You cannot, because I don't know what Solomon was saying to people, but it's understandable. Look at the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Look at songs of Solomon. Like, why your destiny? The guy taxed people. They wanted to die. They never complained. They were giving it. 
The man died. I said, ah, this demon we are playing is too much. And Jeroboam, I beg, I beg, come and reduce the money. So Solomon got rich because he was a consultant and because he taxed his people. It's not because money fell from heaven. Abraham worked for his cows and goats. He spent decades multiplying them. Those goats did not come out of thin air. Even Jacob, when he was going to leave Laban's house, how did God bless him? The guy worked and used um, uh, what do you call it? Sense and skill in his knowledge of animal husbandry to divert his ogre's um, sheep to himself based on the agreement. That's, ah, we're going to talk about this thing. That's why competence is extremely important for believers. God blessed Jacob based on his competence. And when Laban thought he was cheating Jacob, God was using Jacob's competence to, to do wealth transfer. Amen. <laughs> Coming wealth transfer. Hallelujah. It was based on Jacob's competence. There was no cheating. That is the reason why you are doing something and another person has all the competence and you think you are in charge. You are deceiving yourself. You are doing something, you own a company and something and something and something. You say, then don't worry. This like you are, you are begging wicked and unreasonable men to come and take advantage of you. You don't know how they do it. You don't know what they are doing in the work. You are forming a guy, or guy, and the people that have the competence are there. The wealth transfer will move from you to those people because it's based on competence. It's based on your ability to create value. So there's no place in the scripture. Where you see people, God blessing people materially outside. Outside of them creating value of sorts. Church, out together. We shall expand on all this as we go. Let's continue. Matthew chapter 6. From verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? So Jesus is saying, why will you let your fear of your material needs, of not getting your material needs, why will you let it be so bad? Can't you see that there are some more valuable things in your life that did not come to you by those things. Now Jesus is pointing our idea to. And this is the thing, right? This fear of not having money. Look at something. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Whoever 
whoever loves money the love of money here being what i explained earlier that money is at the peak of the hierarchy of a person's values bible says that the ne- money can never be enough whoever loves wealth can never be satisfied with their income they can never be satisfied do you know why because that love is a mirror image of a fear of not having and that fear that insecurity of your physiological needs not being met that insecurity is like a black hole it can never be met it can never be satisfied holy spirit help me to explain this thing very well that sense of insecurity eh, can never be satisfied by money because money itself is not a thing it is a representation of a value that it is representing you understand that so money in itself does not have the capacity to solve that insecurity because money itself is a matter of speculation is a matter of how we feel so you cannot use feelings to solve feelings do you guys understand what i'm saying oh god the sense of insecurity the fear that you will never have enough is a feeling is an emotional state money itself is a matter of our sentiment about what is what we use to represent what we want what we like so money itself is a, is an emotional representation of what we of what the things that people want, isn't it? You cannot use your insecurity, your emotional feelings. You cannot solve your emotional problem with something that you feel emotionally about because it is not a thing in itself. That's why money can never satisfy. If a person feels in their heart that I don't want to ever be poor, I don't want to ever be broke, I don't want to ever be poor, I don't want to ever be broke, money cannot solve that problem. Because money does not have a nature of its own to solve the problem. Because every any amount of money that you have is only meant to represent another value. Or something, you know, it's meant to represent something that is valuable. So, that money itself, you will recognize that it's a matter of how people feel about it. So, by itself, it cannot solve your problem of, I don't want to ever be poor. I don't want to ever be broke. It can't solve the problem. It can't. That's why money can never satisfy. That's why you see people that have billions and billions and billions and you see them still looking for money. Still looking for money. They're still striving to look for more money. Still striving to to, still look for more power. Because one of the things that you recognize when you have money is that it can never be enough. The insecurity that you have inside of you cannot and will never be filled by money. If anything... Having money opens your eyes to more things that money can be used to buy and exacerbates your insecurity. Church, I get what I'm saying. That's why Jesus is particular about mammon as an idol. There's no idol like mammon. Ah, no. There's no idol like mammon. And so Jesus begins to deal with that sentiment by beginning to see are there no things in your life that you have is life not more than bread how did jesus put it let's let's look at it again let's go back to luke chapter chapter six how does he put it now it says what verse were we on I said Luke, Matthew. So I opened Luke here, Matthew chapter 6. 
Hallelujah. Look at it. It says, verse 26. Okay, verse 25, thank you. He said, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? That means there are valuable things that you got in your life that did not come to your life based on the material things that you have. If you expand that doctrine, expand that teaching so it can really get to you. The best things in your life. Money represents how people feel about things. But the things that come to us, that are gifts from God, do we get them because someone voted them into our life with money? The, the things that are the, the best things in your life, did someone vote them into your life with money? Did someone do that? The best relationships and friendships that you have, did someone vote it in, into your life with money? In fact, money corrupts good friendships. People that are rich have problems getting good friends. Because people are looking for money and it corrupts their ability to have honest relationships. The love that your parents have for you, assuming you don't have parents' issues, do those things come into your life because someone voted it into your life? The, the love that God has for you, did someone get it into your life because, you vote, because someone voted it into your life? Obviously not. Obviously not. Because your life, the best things about you is more than food, is more than clothes. There's more. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more much are you not much more valuable than they? Can any can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Did the best things in your life, did you get them into your life by worrying about them? No. Because your heavenly father knows that you need those things. All the good things in your life were given to you by God. Even the so-called resources that we are using our money to vote for in our lives. Even our resources that we are using our money to vote for in our lives. How did they get here in the first place? What, wait, was it, are we the one that created gold? Are we the one that created clothing? Are we the one that created petrol or crude oil? Are we the one that created anything? No! It was God that put them in the earth that we began to harness. So if the best things in your life came without your impulse and without your worry and without your fear, what makes you think that the things that you are afraid of, the person that brought all those big things cannot bring them? On a spiritual level, your fear becomes very irrational because they don't make sense. And that's why they are a demonstration of a lack of faith, a lack of knowing God in that sense. Because there is a way that understanding some things will make some of those fear not look sensible again. Even birds, God finds a way for them to eat. How much more you? That's what you things begin to see is that when people are worried about money and not having money, hmm, it's based on materialism. Materialism in the sense of wanting to acquire things more than you actually need. Is just pure pride of life and lust of the eyes. Because think about it. The most important things that are required for you to live and to be sustained, food, clothing, shelter, has God not always provided? 
hasn't he? Has he not always provided? Even when the sapper was bad and your woo was bad, God will find a way that even in his garden you will get sweets. You've always had somewhere to lay your head. You've always had people that have met your needs. What makes you think that if you don't get that big job that you want, then your life is over and something, yeah, if I must get that job, if I don't get that job, my life is over, my life is over. If I cannot buy that car, if I don't buy that car, my life is over, my life is over. What do you, why are you feeling like that? It's based on the fact that you do not recognize what God has been doing in your life. Church, are we together? Let's go on. Verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? It's very, very weird that Jesus is saying this thing to people that lived 2,000 years ago where they had real existential threats. <laughs> These were the days when the threat of actually going hungry and starving to death was a real threat. It's weird that Jesus is telling these people that God will supply your needs. And even in the 21st century, where you are literally using a phone that works on quantum technology. Do you guys know that how microchips work is based on quantum technology? Even people that are making the microchips don't understand how electrons can turn from particles to waves by just observation. They don't know. We shall used to see that they put it together and put the phone, and then you use that same phone to tweet that God is not faithful. You will not be tweeting that there's so much suffering in this world. I can't believe there's so much suffering in this world. If God was good, how can people? Crazy. Do you know how people in Jesus' age will have been looking at you? Crazy? It's weird. 2,000 years ago, see what Jesus was saying to these people. Verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, for, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be what added unto you. So Jesus now says, when Jesus says, and all these things will be added unto you, he's not saying, he's not saying that. So if we read in context what he has been saying, he's not saying that. Because you seek first the kingdom of God, God will give you money. Do birds of the air seek the kingdom first? Hey, are you guys with me? I'm going to be off easy now. Are you guys with me? Do birds of the air seek the kingdom first? Do the flowers in the fields that are clothed more than Solomon, do they seek the kingdom first? Jesus has already told us before we got to that verse that if God can do it for those people, he will do it for you also. So, when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things are added unto you, don't read it with Yoruba English. In your mind, you are reading it 
how do they say Yoruba? Seek kingdom of God, no. They seek the kingdom of God alone who are for you all these things. No, that's not what he's saying. Because he has already said that he will give you all these things from the beginning. He, he gives it to sparrow and to flowers and to things that cannot seek the kingdom. So he even said, God, your father knows that you need them. No. What he's saying is this. Bother yourself with the kingdom of God. God is taking care of all those things. He's not saying, seek ye first the kingdom of God so that all these things will be added unto you. He's literally saying, read it the way it is written there. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. God will add all these things to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Touch out together. And what is the essence of that verse? The kingdom of God. God's jurisdiction. God's way of doing things. God's value system is what should be an end in itself. That is what should be at the peak of your hierarchy of values. All those other things at best are a means to that end. That's the lesson in that verse, in that chapter. Jesus is laying the templates for Christian perspectives on money. The kingdom of God, the things of God, God's value system, the will of God is what should be at the peak of our hierarchy of values. All those other things at best, they are a means to that end. Anything other more than this is heresy. If you say, seek ye first the kingdom of God so that money can be added unto you, then that means you're not seeking first the kingdom of God. That means it's the things added that you're seeking first. Isn't it? Do you see that? Do you guys see what I was telling you at the beginning of the service about how that heresies come from skewing of the hierarchy of value? You don't need to lie. You just need to skew it. If the kingdom of God, the value system of God, is a means to getting all those other things, then what you are actually seeking is those other things. No. Those other things will be added. Even sparrows that cannot seek them, he has it. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. What he's seeing there is that the kingdom of God is what should be at the pinnacle of our hierarchy of values. God and his things is what is ultimate. Those other things are merely a means to that end. All those other things are given to us. We can enjoy them. We can benefit from them. And we can use them as tools to that end. But what we want the most, what satisfies us, what is at the peak of our priorities, what is most valuable to us, what is at the zenith, at the peak of the hierarchy of our values is the kingdom of God. Godliness cannot be a means to gain. Rather, means should be a means to godliness. Did you hear I just said now? Godliness cannot be a means to gain. Rather, means should be a... Money should be a means to what? Godliness. Gain should be a means to godliness. This way, you can appreciate how money is good and riches are good, but they will not become an idol and compete. If the most important thing to you is for you to be materially settled, you will worship money. 
is not a cause you will worship money if the most important thing for you is what you will eat and what you will drink if you have not gotten to the point where you can rest in the love of God that's why it is actually the love of God that cast out fear covetousness what is greed what is covetousness what is the difference between a man being content and a man not being content let me make it easier for you to understand how do you differentiate between contentment and complacency how do you differentiate between being content and being complacent Complacency is bad, but contentment is good. How do you differentiate it? This is the difference. What is at the peak at the hierarchy of your values? Complacency is when you do not care about the things that can add value. When you do not... No, let me start from contentment so it can be easy for you. Contentment is this. When your hierarchy of values is godly, when the things at the peak of your hierarchy of values is God and his things and you see money as a means to an end, what happens is that as long as you have God, you are unperturbed. Do you understand that? As long as you have God, you are unperturbed. You can have God and irrespective of the amount of money that you have, you are satisfied because you have the most important thing. So because you have God, when you have 100 naira, you are fine. When you have 1 billion naira, you are still fine. That is contentment. Complacency is when you do not care about having anything. The tool that money is supposed to that money is supposed to be to help you to enjoy and to do good things, you don't even go about doing it. You are being lazy. That is what that's where the difference is. Many people want to disguise and say being content is being complacent. No. The Christian outlook on money is that having had God on the peak at the peak of your hierarchy of values that you are satisfied with God and you see money for what it truly is when you are going to work to make money you are not working to make money to um you're not working to make money because money can replace God in you no but you are working to make money to meet those needs you are working to make money to meet those needs whether the money is there or not you are unperturbed you are unchanged Yes, you understand that. So that's why Apostle Paul says that having clothes, having food and clothing, let us be there with content. Meaning that because we have godliness, we have God. When we don't have money, we don't begin to panic and begin to misbehave. Because complacency itself is not also a good thing. So what the Bible is teaching us is not that we will now sit and not be able to provide for our families. Because he that cannot provide for the family is what they feed them. Isn't it? So that means that irrespective of how much you have, whether you have little or that you have much, that thing that you have is enough for you to do what you are doing with it without it affecting your self-esteem, without it affecting your emotional state, without it causing you to be insecure. That's what it means. Contentment is that you are able to work for money without finding yourself doing things that are outside of the will of God. 
That is contentment. The moment you can get to the point where in all your pursuits, all your work of making money, you will never find yourself in a place where you are doing or saying or thinking things contrary to the will of God for the sake of having money, then you are content. Complacency is when you are even unwilling to do the godly things to make money. Do you understand that? You can hear what I just said now. I don't think I said it well. Let me see it again. Contentment is when you are unwilling, when you will never find yourself. Contentment is when you get to that state of mind, where you will never find yourself doing things contrary to the will of God to stick to make money, irrespective of how much you have, whether plenty or big. You have gotten to the place where even if you have hundred naira, even if you have one billion naira. You are not willing to do anything outside of the will of God to make more money. That is contentment. Have you gotten to that point? That is how to differentiate greed from being hardworking. That's the difference between greed and being hardworking. The believer ought to be hardworking, but the believer cannot be greedy. Because if you are greedy, you're on your way to hellfire. We'll talk about it. You're on your way to hell. Wait, I don't mean... I'm sure you guys understand what I'm saying. Okay, alright. You are playing with fire. Hallelujah. Church, are we together? Why are we laughing now? Why are we laughing? <laughs> you are playing with fire. <laughs> that is the difference between being greedy and hardworking. Being hardworking is that you exert yourself in every righteous avenue to make money. Being greedy is being willing to exert yourself in any way possible, just and unjust, just to make money. That's just say contentment and laziness. Contentment is that you are unwilling to do anything unjust to make money. Laziness is even the just way, the proper way. You are not willing to do it. You are not willing to work with your hands. You are not willing to labor. That's the difference. So, you can see that the difference between these two things is a simple matter of someone's hierarchy of values. So that's why from a, from a worldly perspective, those two are being used interchangeably. To most worldly people, when they say a man is hardworking, what they mean is that the man is greedy. It's hard to tell the difference from a, from, from a natural point of view. It's Christ that, you know, is the word of God that divides and sunder the soul from the spirit and clearly differentiates and clearly demarcates things for us. That's how, we, that's how you know. You see some people who say he's a very hardworking man, he's a very hardworking man. What they are saying that his man is greedy, he's, he's willing to do anything. Listen to me. If you get to the point where you are willing to sacrifice your family for making money, that means you are greedy. You are not hardworking, no. Because what you are doing is that you are you are willing to do things, including sacrificing your your family for the sake of money. That is the difference. Can you guys hear what I'm saying to you? Let me do what I do for thirty. Where's your ear? Touch your ear. Are you hear what I'm saying to you? The difference between greed and being hardworking is what you are willing to do to make money. The moment you get to the point 
where God's values, where the things of God are sacrificable to the end of making money, you are already in greed. That's why greed does not have a temperament. When people picture greed, they're thinking of greed is that outgoing person. Greed is not outgoing. No. Greed can be quiet and gentle. Greed can be melancholy. Say he's a quiet man. He's not greedy at all. You think because he's quiet, he's not greedy. <laughs> greed is not because you are seeing them outside and they are part of those spring money. Even though it is unlikely correlation, but let me say it like this. A person can be spraying money like that and not really be greedy. Hear what I'm saying well. I know it's unlikely. Let me, yes, it's, it's someone that spraying money like that, that spraying money is a manifestation of a certain value system. The value system being demonstrated here is a value system that considers having money to be the most important thing. Do you understand that? When someone is doing that thing, what he's demonstrating is his value system. So it's very unlikely that you see someone that serving God is at the pinnacle of his hierarchy of values. And do you know what comes with God is at the pinnacle of his hierarchy of values? What it means is I'm giving towards the gospel. It means I'm giving towards the needy. It means I do not want my conduct to offend other people. It means a whole lot of things. It is unlikely that someone will get to that point where God is at the pinnacle of your values, where you are doing your values are in line with God, and then you show up in a place and be spending one thousand naira. It was unlikely. My money is your God. However, for the academic purpose of this teaching, for the academic purpose of this teaching, <laughs> it is possible that the man can be, let's say it is conceivable that the man is spraying money and is not really greedy. Why? Because greed is not about being outgoing or being extroverted or constantly, visibly looking like you're a hustler outside. It does not mean there are some people, let me, this is a good way to put it. Some people are lazy and greedy. Do you know? That's the way I want to put it. The former example I used about spray money, scratch it, forget about it, delete it now. I've gotten a good example. A person can be lazy and greedy. A person can be lazy and greedy. A person can be someone that is not willing to exert themselves, but are looking for the shortest cuts for a way to make money, especially the unrighteous means. together next one we're going to continue we're going to talk about the right um how money measures up in our value system and we'll put everything clearly not so it will just be vague in our minds we're going to put it clearly hallelujah i something blessed today i was about our head and let's just pray in the holy ghost let's pray let's pray a little let's pray the holy ghost just pray for yourself pray for yourself Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.